Welcome to Rule of Thirds, an offshoot of our Screen Refresh podcast. Our goal every episode is to take a little break from watching and analyzing movies to dive headfirst into some nostalgia or just get a little creative. So every month we select a different topic and create a top three list that may or may not be near and dear to each of our hearts. Shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Screen Refresh, or send an email to screenrefresh at gmail.com to let us know what your top three are or to suggest future topics. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Dean and Nick. Hello there. Good day to you, listener. So today we're getting a little freeform from specific topics and sharing our top three hidden gems that more people should experience. So, tuck in, I guess. Intro music. If you're in bed. <laughs> Settle in? I don't know. Um, so yeah, hidden Strap gems. Strap in if you're at the hospital. It's um, um, <laughs> it's a little different from our normal ones. It's a little bit more open. It's a little more choosier and adventure kind of thing. Less rules to break. Yeah. Movies, TV shows, like it fucking places. I mean, if there's a really good pizza place that you happen to know of in like the West Haven area... By all means, let us know. Let Tim know, especially, because he doesn't know any. I know nothing. New Haven hater. So, I mean, that's great for all of our international listeners. Let's talk about New Haven pizza again. Hey, um, get them to come on over. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what will bring over the tourists. Um, so, yeah, I know we were talking about hidden gems. And as Nick mentioned, so games, shows, movies, all sorts of things. It's more so just a chance for us to be able to kind of share some of the things that we've loved over time or some of the things that we've found that we feel aren't being maybe discussed as much or discussed enough or just some things that we found that we feel other people might appreciate if they check them out. So we just wanted to kind of get the word out there. So, of course, it may be something that we come back for later parts of. So similar to when we mentioned like the RPG episode that you might have listened to last month. It may be a case of we come back and do Hidden Gems Part 2 uh, just to kind of cover some new things that we might have found over time. So who wants to lead us? Number three. I'll start. Okay, this is a... It's a movie. Uh, I don't... You might have heard of it. I don't know if you have. It's about... Nine people, they've got a ring, and they're trying to... No, it's not, no. It's not the Lord It's Mac and me. Have you heard of it? It's the the Fellowship of the Bracelet? Or was it a couple of towers? Fellowship of the Toe Ring. Oh, it was, it was, hey, the King's Back. No? Okay. No, so I want to talk about something I think you guys are aware of, but I don't know how many people are aware of this. It is a show, a streaming show, that uh, debuted on the now-defunct streaming platform CISO, which was owned by NBC Universal, yeah, through Comcast, or Comcast through NBC, but it was called, and is called, Harmon Quest. Oh, I love that show. 
Since the dawn of the 1970s, fantasy role-playing games have provided men and women with an escape from their awkward lives. Today, the most awkward of them all, Dan Harmon, is summoning celebrity friends to play these games of old in front of a live studio audience in Hollywood. I am Spencer, the Game Master, and this is Harmon Quest! So, without further ado, let's quest! Yeah, you guys are aware of the show. I know it's, I, I guess I would consider it a hidden gem because of the nature of how you have to see it. It's not really on a popular platform. It, uh, yeah, so it debuted in 2017 or 18, I think, on CISO. Yeah, and that's a comedy streaming platform that is now, I think it only lasted a year. Yeah, it was short. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was a year and change, maybe, something like that. I know, I think it debuted in 2016 or 17 and just was dead a year later uh but this is one of the original shows that debuted on that platform as the name implies if you're familiar with community rick and morty creator dan Harmon is behind the show and the gist of it is just he has a group of friends regulars that he gets on stage and they play D, essentially and uh, or, their, or their own form of it it's pathfinder and they play it live what's that it's pathfinder Pathfinder? Okay. D&D, a, people not... everywhere are like, it's Pathfinder and Pathfinder. People are like, it's us. <laughs> There's no argument. <laughs> okay, it's a Pathfinder game. For those of you that don't know what Pathfinder is like me, it's a D&D show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he's got his regulars. So Dan Harmon's the star, essentially, of it. And Aaron McGathy. And oh, I forget this other co-host name. They play through uh, this, I guess. So they play through, you know, a story like you would uh, in Dungeons and Dragons. There's a dungeon master. What's the Pathfinder dungeon master? That this, what, what do they I think call it's just him? referred to as like a game master. Like I, I was master. a D&D kid. I, I didn't play Pathfinder. So, yeah, there's a there's a game master, which I think they met that Dan met through like a another podcast he did like harmontown i think they played a little harmontown yeah, and like this guy just like popped up and was like they had him dm and he was like amazing i guess yeah spencer it crittenden spencer crittenden and, uh, yeah jeff brian davis is jeff yes. davis right is the other <laughs> the other co-host so each week they go through a different part of this uh quest this harmon quest and each week there's a special guest um Sometimes a bigger name comedian, sometimes somebody you might not have heard of. I know it kind of went back and forth. Um, Kamel Nanjiani's a guest star. So they go through this game in front of a live audience and, you know, they have comedians on and they're all kind of comedians themselves. So it's, it's, it's just really funny. And on top of that, they animate select parts of their adventures. So it cuts back and forth between them sitting there playing the game and then, uh, realizing their characters and events in the in animation form and it's uh it's just really fun like i i didn't grow up playing board well tabletop role-playing games which i i guess i'm not i'm still open to i would still do that so for somebody like that isn't into that kind of thing it's still it's not like it's you're not you wouldn't enjoy something like this because it is very funny i notice a lot of people playing D D especially the the people that want to play it or that it's their first time they get really nervous it's like having the opportunity to do whatever the hell you want is too much power for some people and they just don't know how to use it and i notice a lot of those times those people kind of 
really lean on the DM to kind of push them in the right direction. Because then on the flip side, you have the players that are well experienced and are trying to propose uh, the creation of a stock market for a vendor and for different stock options and like stupid shit like that that the DM clearly didn't even anticipate because these guys just they know the rules, they know how to play. I just always thought it was amusing to me anyway that it was you know, people are always so nervous about playing it. And then watching the show takes that edge off. It's like you get to experience that kind of environment and playtime without having any of the pressure of like, shit, what do I do next? Yeah, I, I think it's because it's intimidating at first having here's all of these books and here's a player's handbook. It's like 140 pages. And then they have the DM's guide and they have the monster manual and all these other things and rolling the dice. But I mean, essentially, at the end of it, it's just cooperative storytelling and all of the rules and whatnot. I mean, if the the DM is there to help push the story along. So, I mean, I've never really run into a case where somebody's not willing to help explain things or kind of help you along from there. But the whole thing of the rolling the dice, of tracking the stats, it's just so somebody can't just make everything up and have no ramifications to it. And so you actually can have a, a little bit of rulings to the cooperative storytelling but i think everybody like it's once you give it a shot it's fun i think some of the resistance other than the rulings might be because it's so wholly dependent on you developing your own personality you being able to tell your own story so if you feel uncomfortable kind of having that opportunity to make up a character run with a character give that character a voice then you might prefer to just watch like Harmon Quest rather than necessarily take part in something like that. Did you guys ever watch um, Critical Role or whatever? Oh, with Matt Mercer? Yeah, that's the real popular one. But that one seems like it's just, you know, from the hip, like this is just the, the D&D portion of it. What is that? Is that a show or an internet thing? It's like it's like Harmon Quest, just not, it's not primarily meant to be funny. Yeah, it's more just like a, a good D&D session. And Matt Mercer is just a good DM. Yeah. And it's Critical not like Role fans don't, don't crucify me. I've never seen it. I've just Neither seen like bits and like clips here and there. So, I mean, like, sure, it may be funny, but like Harmon Quest is meant to be specifically a comedy show. And then they just happen to be doing it with D&D and they're having fun with it and all that. But I don't know if Critical Role is supposed to be funny, but I always took it as like it's an actual <laughs> D&D session that just recorded with celebrities. I, I would imagine Harmon Quest and probably to an extent Critical Role, which I, I, I this is the first time hearing of it, so I don't know. I'd imagine they probably turn people onto the game or like exploring the idea of role playing games. Like, obviously, you're not going to be sitting there telling jokes and just trying to make each other laugh the whole time, but it shows that it can be fun just to be sitting there being imaginative, creative, and hanging out with your friends slash characters. How how serious like you guys have played in the past? Like, how much like do you just would you would you say you're just like you are yourself, but you're yeah. doing trying to do these actions that you think your character might do or are you just kind of like totally immersed and like well, i'm depends. acting just like I, this guy <laughs> i feel it depends sometimes the story like i remember once our friend david who was a guest on the show on this show at one point he was our typical dm growing up anyway he was always the one that ran the campaigns and a couple of them we just did our own thing whatever and then one campaign we were like you know what we're gonna <laughs> We're going to we're going to break bad and we're going to go into hell and we're going to go up against the devil and we're going to join his team. And then he's doing the whole bit. And we're finally playing that part of the campaign where 
Like, we're going to go evil. We're going to do it. And then he's describing this massively epic, scary thing. And Tim and I kind of turn to each other like, yo, we don't want to be the bad guys anymore. <laughs> and like, if looks could kill, we would have been incinerated yeah. on the spot because David prepared our entire campaign to be evil. But we just we couldn't do it. Yeah, we were going to be like working with a demon or something like that and all this other stuff. And then that session, we end up in hell and it, my whole thing was just, we were following a paladin into hell, we were fighting things off, and he made the character too cool that I'm like, well, I'm not going to leave this guy to die then. Okay, yep. yeah, like, we're good, let's switch sides again, we're going to be good guys. Sorry, scrap everything you were working on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's all that stuff that just kind of, like, it's so off the cuff that granted there's a lot of planning there's a lot of writing involved from the dungeon master standpoint but then there's so much stuff that kind of pivoting and kind of turning on a dime of okay well now this story is going to go this direction you can never really kind of plan entirely of when you put five people at a table what they're going to decide to do for the next two hours yeah i imagine the game master has to be good on his feet yeah the role-playing aspect is always up in the air too some people get into it and they're really heavy into their character that they'll change their voice. They'll completely change their personality type to match that character. Then others are just like, whatever, I swing my sword, roll the die. You know, they won't add any custom flair to it. And, you know, you do get there's no point system, but you do kind of get points with the DM. If you're going to try to be theatrical in your in your actions, they you know it makes the game fun for all parties. So. They're able to enjoy it and they usually feed off of that and it just makes the experience a lot better. Yeah. Look, I mean, looking back at the show, or actually, now that I'm thinking and looking at these lists, there are a lot of people on here that everyone, a lot of people should recognize, uh, at least in some regard. I mean, Elizabeth Olsen appears at one point. <laughs> she was? After WandaVision, yeah. I'll definitely have to yeah. watch that. Yeah, uh, Patton Oswalt, Paul Shear, John Hodgman, um, Gillian Jacobs. Thomas Middleditch. Yeah. No, Aubrey Aubrey John Hodgman episode. John Hodgman episode is one of my favorite. You see a man atop the caravan. Sir, sir, what, what, yes. uh, what is your name, first off? I am Han Jodgman. Han Jodgman! Travelers, please come to my... Aid. I am being attacked by these wraiths. You see, wraiths. I had never really followed John Hodgman up until that point, and then I decided to Google him, and I was like, oh, he was the, the Mac and PC guy in the commercials. Right. Then I realized he also wrote a bunch of books, and I got into, um, like, Vacation Land and all of that, and uh, it's all thanks to Harmon Quest. He had a podcast, or does, and he was on The Daily Show as well as a correspondent. Um, yeah, he's a funny dude. His episode... Yeah, his episode got me. Nathan Fillion's on as well. and A new chief of this village. My name is Tedder Spice. How did you find this town? Uh, the word was out. I, I answered a, I answered a, an ad. There must have been many other, many other candidates who, who, who threw their hat in the ring. How do you think you beat them out? I will lie to you. I uh, accosted one on the, on the road here, and uh, two more were killed by a troll. That must have been hard. To watch? Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> yeah, there's just, it's... There's not really a bad episode. Like, there's always something funny going on, and just some of the guests just make it that much more entertaining with how how into the characters they get. I loved. I really did love the show. I actually I blame none of the content that was on CISO, but the the app itself. I always felt like there was a lot of issues trying to run whatever like show I was watching at the time. Yeah. Remember they released a throwback to Nickelodeon, and they had a bunch of old Nick shows on there. 
and the app just wouldn't fucking work no matter what I tried. <laughs> and it wasn't like an internet connection thing, even though it made it out to seem like that because Netflix worked, Hulu worked, Xbox Live worked. I was playing it on my Xbox at the time. But that app just would not behave properly. It wouldn't load the descriptions right or it wouldn't do anything. And I feel like if it just had a little bit better... I don't know, production when it comes to the actual viewing app itself. I think it might have lasted a bit longer. So for anybody who's interested in Harmon Quest, there's another service called Verve, VRV, that has a bunch of different things on it. One of it um, is essentially a lot of the the shows like Harmon Quest, things like that, are now on Verve. So they're also teamed up with like Crunchyroll and a couple things. So it's all under that one package. So you can see Harmon Quest, you can watch anime you can watch nicktoons it's all a bunch of kind of a, a weird amalgam of uh nostalgia and niche shows the cyanide and happiness did that make the jump there or is that just a dead show i uh, know i think that was that might have been on verve after the exodus there okay that's a good show too <laughs> um yeah harman quest check it out uh I'm, i as far as i know they're gonna be doing more they just kind of like do one probably when they feel like it but uh, don't quote me on that, but I think there should be another season. There's three right now, but definitely check it out. It's a entertaining uh, comedy show. I'm sure after COVID, it fucked everything up. Yeah, right. I know uh, another fun one, if you like Harmon Quest and Critical Role, is Relics and Rarities that I think might also be on Verve now, but the Dungeon Master is Deborah Ann Worrell, who played Karen Page on Daredevil, um, and she was also somebody on True Blood, but... It's her and like a couple friends and then they'll have different guests that come on like the first couple or like the first arc is Matthew Lillard that comes on as I think like a priest or something like that. But it's another essentially just a, like a critical role type D&D campaign, but all of them do a pretty good job with their characters and it's a pretty fun show. It's less kind of comedy forward like Harmon Quest. It's more kind of the more theatrical aspect of um the stories and characters and things like that. Cool. Is it animated too? Nope. Damn. Use your mind. It's a cool set though. So that is Dean's Harmon Quest. <laughs> My Harmon Quest. Quest, Quest, Harmon Quest. Dean Quest. <laughs> That's a new podcast. It's another offshoot we're doing. Dean Quest. I'm going to game master <laughs> a role playing game. Do it. You won't. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you should. It should be a campaign where the only inexperienced person is the dungeon master. So this way, it's the reversal where everybody else knows how to play the game except you, but you're in control of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, a comedy of errors. It'll be set in the Mortal Kombat universe. You have to be a turtle as your character, and you have to fight dinosaurs as you try to escape the island. <laughs> <laughs> Three seasons. Grin. Yep. Let go. <laughs> You know what I saw this like completely unrelated, but you know what I saw earlier when I was scrolling Facebook? Apparently they released a new trailer for the Fast and the Furious movie. I and saw that. I saw it at Godzilla. The director is not opposed to doing a crossover with Fast and the Furious and Jurassic Park. <laughs> Now, can you imagine that? Well, the director's <laughs> not opposed to it. Universal might be. Like, Tyrese is like, man, we went up against tanks. We went up against the military. Now what, a fucking T-Rex? You're goddamn right it is. I would pay They would definitely that. have raptors driving cars in that movie. Oh, they could if they would. 
Or they would if they could. One last ride. I'd watch it. I, I, I would. I would I like, watch it too. I like the if it's branded Fast and the Furious, so I'll watch it. Yep. Those are the biggest, dumbest, funnest movie like series that's going on right now in the cinema. I'll, I'll see all of them just because they don't take themselves seriously. And anyway, <laughs> family. family, 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 family. I got family. <laughs> So, oh wait! In the new one, sorry. In the new one, <laughs> um, John Cena plays his brother, like his blood brother. I don't know. They don't we'll look to, anything alike. We'll have to find out. What is this? Like a twins situation? A perfect human specimen has been born. And John Cena. He has the strength of ten men. He also has a twin brother. I got family. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I'm glad John Cena's getting getting work. I like him. I never even watched any of his wrestling career. Just like he looks like a good me, chap. Me either. You know. Well, get excited for uh, the Suicide Squad, and I think he's yes. going to get his own separate show on HBO Max as um, Peacemaker. We will see. So anyway, <laughs> hidden gems. So my third choice is um, Thirteen Ghosts, the one with Matthew Lillard. Movie? That's the one. Halloween. What the hell was that? The producers of House on Haunted Hill bring you the ultimate house of horror where there's death at every door, terror at every turn. We see get the hell out of here now. And a ghost in every room. We got company. 13 ghosts. I enjoyed it. One of the one what? of the horror movies I've seen. Yeah. Like, every time Tim wants to talk horror, I'm always like, oh, I'm not a horror fan. But then I look at a lot of my top movies and like, horror, horror, horror. I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess so. Google Cabo, Google Cabo. One of us, one of us. So this one, I, I was talking to Tim about it at the, the pre-show that some of my choices I feel are not hidden gems. Because I remember this was a pretty big movie when it came out, but lately, especially pretty much ever since high school, I haven't heard this movie come up by anyone outside of my own personal circle. So if you haven't seen it, I think it's worth checking out. No concept of it was really cool. So back in 2001, we had Tony Shaloub, Matthew Lillard. Oh yeah, Shaloub. And, uh, and it was even produced by Robert Zemeckis of uh, Back to the Future fame. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. I didn't either until I actually did research. Um, <laughs> the whole movie follows a widower, Tony Shaloub, and his family. I guess he inherits this like house because of a, an estranged family member dies, and he uh, you know passes it over to him in a will. So when he goes to check it out, it's this massive glass house, and it has got like runes on it and shit, and carved into all the different glass walls and stuff. And then through the course of the movie, you discover that the whole thing is meant to hold ghosts for his, who was it? Well, like a cousin or uncle? I think it was the uncle. Yeah, the one played by F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. So he had this fixation of capturing ghosts and all the glass walls were meant to help enclose them. 
and the whole house had a reason for being built and enclosing the ghosts but going through that whole thing the only way you could see them was through these like special glasses that they developed and it was really the whole concept was just really cool and like i see rumblings through reddit every now and then of like you know they should make a movie dedicated on all the each of the 13 ghosts because they're all radically different from one another some of them are like the serial killer kind of looking ones other ones are like straight up horror one looks like something out of the ring and then another looks like something that was amalgamation of like saw and the exorcist kind of stuff like it it's all over the place with the character design of all the different ghosts and it was always such a fun movie to watch because it's just it's not flat out horror but i don't know it had that distinct like 2000s feel when it comes to a horror movie if you know what i mean yeah yeah because it was i think it was dark castle films that did this one because they also did the remake because this one is a remake i think it was a I want to say 50s or 60s. It might have been 60s. 60s. Oh, that was that. a William Castle film. So Dark Castle films, I think, did this in House on Haunted Hill, which was another one from around the time of all of these kind of remakes of those classic horror films. And I think the whole thing with the glasses in the movie was because in the original, I want to say part of the original was in 3D. Listen to William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. And you will too. When you come to this theater and see my picture, 13 ghosts, uh, no more dictation today. When you see 13 ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer like this, which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. It'll let you see all 13 of our weird, wonderful, and wildly assorted ghosts. And that was like a homage to that. <laughs> but I agree, like, it's it's horror, but I feel like it's not, it's not like a downer horror. I think because for the most part, the kids and whatnot, there's peril and things. But, you know, the kids aren't going to die. The babysitter's not going to die. Tony Shalhoub's not going to die. Like, it's, there's not a lot of stakes there. So it ends up becoming a little more enjoyable or lighter fare is that is shannon elizabeth the star or a star in that yeah she's the daughter she's not much of a star in it it she doesn't really do much through it i just i just was in the back of my mind i was like i think that's she's in that it's funny you know i think i saw that movie once like around when it came out on video i don't believe i went to the theater to see that yeah, I didn't see it in the um, theater either. Actually, 2001, I wouldn't have, because this this is definitely rated R. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I know I did not see that one. But those, the, the ghosts stick out of my mind. Like, I only saw the movie once, but, like, yeah, like you said, the designs are cool and varied. And I remember, like, they gather ghosts and, like, put them in this house, right? Or, like, mm-hmm. trap them in there? Yeah, because they yeah, have, so like, spells opens. on the glass so they can't get out yeah. and whatnot. It opens, I remember, like, I think they're finding the one called the Juggernaut. Yeah, the, the yeah. opening is very Jurassic Park. It's, <laughs> they're in, like, <laughs> a, they're in like a car, like, junkyard, right? Yeah. Yep. Power up the cube. Start transmitting. He like I remember him pulling a guy into like a crushed car like backwards like breaking his back like he bends at the waist the wrong way. 
<laughs> I was like, that's brutal. There's some like, brutal deaths in this movie. And then there's the jackal. I think she was like the most dangerous one. Like, like she had the cage, like Edward Scissorhands kind of thing. Yeah, she was the cage one. I love Matthew Um, Lillard's performance through the whole movie too, because it's just he really didn't want to be there the whole time. Yeah, (laughs) he's just like screaming out of frustration. Everyone else is scared shitless, and it's just like he stepped in crap or something. He dragged it through the house, like ugh, not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, this was a fun one. I do wish that I'd watch uh, it again. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll do a screen refresh. Nick, you can pick it. <laughs> It'll be a Nick's choice. More horror. Did that? Did the any of the filmmakers? I don't know if Tim or Nick. You looked at this. Nobody like, ever made another film this? again after this. <laughs> um, the director didn't. No, uh, I researched my third movie. I didn't look this one up. <laughs> Fair enough. Just curious. Directed by Stephen Beck. He oh, did the Ghost Ship. Stephen <laughs> Beck. Oh, Ghost Ship. <laughs> He did the visual Ghost effects ship. and IMDb. It's like known for the hunt for red October, the abyss. Like, wait, he didn't direct those. <laughs> you know, he directed ghost ship and 13 ghosts. The classic was... tale of a visual effects guy becoming a director after doing enough movies. And then he did visual effects for Indiana Jones and the last crusade, the abyss and the hunt for red October. Damn. He did. He didn't get to complete his ghost trilogy though. He did not. Casper the Friendly Ghost reboot. It was uh, going to be Ghost in the Darkness with Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas about the <laughs> tigers in Africa. So this one's about tigers instead of lions? Uh, yes. <laughs> the African tigers? <laughs> oh, and apparently he did a commercial for Nissan about a group of pigeons attempting to poop on the car. So? I feel like I've seen that commercial. Very, very Strangely career. enough. Uh, Nissan. <laughs> Nissan car. Doesn't say what model, but John Ratzenberger did the voice of the dirty bird. Oh, in that commercial? Yeah. (laughs) He's everywhere. So Pixar commercial. Thirteen ghosts. Thirteen ghosts. Thirteen going on ghosts. I think it's on Netflix. It might be. I'm not sure. I thought I saw it, but they they change out their their catalog so often that it's honestly hard to keep track. Yeah, I use letterboxed to keep track of the stuff i have watched but also i'll throw my stuff on watch or like my watch list and then that way once it becomes available on any of the streaming services i select it'll just give me a notification saying hey 13 ghosts just went up on netflix or something like that looks like it's only available to rent on multiple platforms but nothing that comes packaged with a service oh don't rent it buy it i just realized also that it's um it has the like the movie Seven, it's T H I R, the number thirteen, E N ghosts. Yeah, thirteen ghosts. Which wouldn't that make it thir thirteen, in ghosts? <laughs> That's why when I refer to the movie Seven, I say seven N. <laughs> but again, you also said the Vivich. <laughs> the Vivich. So that was the thirteen in ghosts. Feel all the thrills and chills of seeing one ghost multiplied by the magic number 13. Tim, what is your third pick? So my third pick is a film from the far-off year of 2007, a horror comedy called Botched. This priceless artifact runs along to the first Tsar of Russia. 
I want that cross with you. You'll meet my men, and you'll be in and out in one day. Nobody fucking move! If you give up the hostages, we will be happy to make a deal with you. I'm gonna let one of you go. Who's gonna be? So I honestly don't remember how I found the movie, but it like it, it's no secret that I love horror movies, uh, and I <laughs> and I try to pretty much consume anything I can and everything available. So when we first moved to Massachusetts, I spent a lot of free time focusing on finding horror movies I hadn't seen yet or anything that pops up, and I just kind of took some random shots on things I knew nothing about just to kind of find some things like find some hidden gems. So I was pleasantly surprised with this. So the whole thing is it stars Stephen Dorff, star of Blade and The Gate, uh, some favorites, as a professional thief who ends up involved in a failed jewel heist after the getaway goes horribly awry with his crew. Uh, His boss is uh, Sean Pertwee, who you might know from Dog Soldiers and Event Horizon. He also was Alfred on Gotham. So Sean Pertwee ends up giving him one more job to pay off his debts by breaking into this like office building penthouse and getting this valuable cross artifact for him. So he gets sent in with two Russian goon henchmen as backup and they end up taking hostages. And as the movie progresses, it gets slowly more and more bonkers as Steven Dorff is just trying to like do his job and get out and not get involved with these other two guys. So. I feel like even though the movie got the the New York City Horror Film Fest Best Feature and Best Actor Award in 2007, I never really hear this one discussed. I don't hear it pop up. I don't see it on lists uh, as far as like any of the discussions. But and it looks like it's rated fairly low for some reason on like Rotten Tomatoes, things like that. But I think it's a fun romp. Definitely don't go into this expecting hard horror as it's more screwball comedy than that very horror second. Yeah, it's like a gory comedy. I would put it definitely closer to like Tucker and Dale versus Evil than I would any actual horror. So, yeah, it's kind of like a a comedy version of if you saw The Collector. Does it spoil it if you say like, is it supernaturally horror monster or just like hillbilly crazy people? Uh, It is. Or just give it away. It's not supernatural. But there is like one or two scenes that for some reason have a weird supernatural thing to it that has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Okay. The poster on IMDb calls the movie 13. Yeah, which I don't know if that was the either an original title or a international title for it. But it was, I believe, released as botched. And that's what I know it as. Like if you were to search it or find it on like Amazon, it'll show up as botched. Yeah, because that's the credit that he has on his profile. Yeah, I definitely hadn't heard of this movie since you just brought it up. Dean, you might I watched enjoy the trailer it. as you described it, and you're like, you perfect. I don't know. I think this is, you're really perfect at summing up the movie in a in trailer form because as I watched the trailer, you're describing it. It's just happening as you talk about <laughs> it. It's like, I mean, I don't have the audio on, so I'm listening to you, but it was just perfect with the visuals. Like, well, so good I, job. I like good to job give you enough plot to get you in, but not enough to reveal anything. Yeah. I should make trailers. No, yeah, I'd, I'd watch this, especially if it's it looks yeah more like a fun romp, as you said. And if you compare as opposed it to, to Tucker like, and Dale, especially so. Yeah, I mean, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, the comedy is very different from Tucker and Dale, 
but I feel like the in terms of the lightness of some things and kind of the dark comedy aspect, it's definitely there. But check it out. That is botched. Will do. Fucking Russia. So, uh, the end. You, uh, you want to do a number two or? <laughs> Pause while I do a number two. Number two. <laughs> Tim is shaking his head. This is not the kind of pun he's signed up for. As soon as I said it, I realized like that's you set it up. That's a wiffle ball pitch. All right, come on, do you Dean. guys. Who does do number you... two work for? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say that. Little known movie, Austin Powers is my next hidden gem. Um, do, do you guys have any games on your list? Because I I didn't do games because I have not consumed lots of games lately, so I didn't feel like I really had any hidden gems. So I've got. Another TV show for you. Firefly. Firefly. No, this is uh, a Netflix show, which you'd think, how's it a hidden gem? But there's lots of stuff on there you've probably never heard of that I've never heard of. I've probably talked to you guys about this, but it is a show on Netflix, originally made in Norway and brought to Netflix. It's called Norseman. We found a way west. We will never again have a lean year, no matter how poorly the substitute chieftain manages the village while I'm away. Farewell, brother. Look, who dares to brew their own chieftain? Try firing an arrow with really cold fingers yourself before you start brewing. Have I brought this up to you guys? After playing Valheim, that was brought up. It's, um, it is a comedy show, like a dark comedy show. <laughs> Uh, originally, yeah, produced in Norway for their, you know, television network. <laughs> their one, <laughs> the one television network Norway has, I assume. Um, and Netflix, <laughs> and Netflix, uh, bought the rights to, uh, stream it here in America. But it is, uh, about Vikings in, like, the early millennia, like, uh, seven, I think... I saw a description say the year 790, but I don't remember them mentioning that in the show. It's a good year. Yeah, it's a great year. <laughs> great year for Vikings. Um, it's 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 great. It's like a sitcom, but just it, it brings like these modern day tropes, tropey sitcom issues, but just against the backdrop of just this brutal Viking uh, world that they you know that they're living in, you know, fighting for survival and. Just like, I mean, how hard life was in ancient, quote-unquote, times. Modern ancient times. Is that a thing? Um, <laughs> it uh, It's written, directed by John Ever Hel- Helgacker and Eunice Torgensen. It probably has better pronunciation in Norwegian, but... Um, it was perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to redo that. Uh, Dean's I think natural this is their tongue. only... <laughs> this is their big breakout and i think it's still something they're just working on they don't have haven't done any other projects as far as i can tell but the best way i think i can sum it up is like take game of thrones and add monty python elements to it but maybe a little bit less silly but it definitely has like that british or like european deadpan dry humor uh, they don't play anything up for a laugh at all. It's just kind of the situation and the the lines and the direction of how they go about the scenes that really 
makes it funny, but it's just so it's also just like brutally violent. <laughs> and they use that for comedy too. But it's just it's just shock shocking sometimes. Like it's like Game of Thrones level of brutality, but uh but trying laughs. to do it for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> um yeah, like it's it's for shock and comedic effect those times and there's it's there's dark humor in it too like it's like they're vikings so they and they pillage and they rape but they don't really you know there's no there's some sexual content but it's they don't show raping or anything like that i think they just play out that aspect of it like yeah that's we're vikings that's what we do so they make jokes about that aspect of it but it's not like in poor taste or anything so i don't think you would have to be worried about like I don't think you like if you're triggered by that kind of thing or that kind of topic. I don't think it. It's not anything. That's if you're in pushed, a dark humor, yeah, it's not that? anything that's like pushed far. No, no, I, I would, I would say no. It's funny because there's a female, like there's a female Viking warrior, like she's real badass, and she talks about raping dudes. <laughs> Just like how does that, how does that work? But they're like, oh, you wait, you how do you rape? Like there's a whole scene where they're like, wait, how you how are you raping guys? <laughs> but it's that kind of thing it's like it's yeah but like in the first episode just an example of the comedy like there's they're just kind of introducing you to the world like one of the slaves of the village takes like all the old people up to this mountain it's like yeah okay it's you know we don't you don't have to burden us with like having to take care of you because you're sick and you're old like you know you just throw yourself off the mountain here like as a service to us and (laughs) they're all real unsure like looking around at each other one guy's just like, okay, and he like just runs and jumps and just like splats at the bottom of the mountain. Everybody looks over and they're like, you know what? This isn't really my thing. Like, I think I'm good. <laughs> well, it's time for the Atestube. Anyone want to go first? It's a matter of honor, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the Atestube is probably the most honorable thing you can do. Honor is really important, though. Yes. Now, to Valhalla! Wow. I'm just going to skip the whole thing, okay? I'm not going to jump either. This is not my kind of thing. We're just going to... The slave's like, okay, just don't come back to the village or I'll get in trouble. So just make sure you never come home. (laughs) We'll just assume you guys jumped off the mountain. And they're like, yeah, all right, bye. (laughs) So it's just kind of this like dry, silly kind of humor. But I think you guys should give it a... It's hard for me to say if you, you guys would like this. Like, I think you could. But uh, I like that. I mean, they're only like dark, half an hour episodes, so I like that dark comedy style. So it might be up my alley. I don't like to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I like Metalocalypse, so I'm almost thinking that if it's going to be anything like that in terms of its the way that it plays the gore with the violence, I think I'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like every episode is like a gore fest, but it's just these moments where it's like, oh shit, yeah, dude, getting cut in half. May the best man win. Three, two, one. Hong Kong! But it, 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 they don't play up anything for laughs. But like with music or funny sound effects or anything, it's just like super straightforward and dry. But I don't know. It got me. It got me good. There's a three seasons... I think they're working on a fourth, um, six episodes each. So they're pretty. It's a pretty quick. I uh, uh, when I was looking it, it up, they they canceled it. I'm sorry. Oh, they canceled it. Yeah. Oh no. 
I was looking at an article earlier that was like an interview with them. I was trying to learn their the spelling of their names and it oh, they were talking about a fourth season. Damn yeah, it. Cancelled as of six months ago. Wow, I'm really behind the times, huh? Uh well So three seasons. Just cut this whole thing out. <laughs> three seasons. It's it's the first two seasons are like a continued through line and then the third season is like a prequel season like that goes back spoiler alert, some characters die and then all of a sudden i was watching and like wait why why are they here again and it learned it's a prequel like oh. you find that out pretty quick but okay it's dead i guess i'm about to look and see what these guys are doing next because this stuff there the show was definitely really good i have to find that out sorry everybody i didn't do enough research i guess sorry i guess i'm not really a fan of this i don't even know that it's canceled Sorry for breaking the news. <laughs> oh, no, I'm glad everybody knows, I guess. You heard or not. Here now first. they're not going to watch it. They're like, <laughs> hot off the presses, six months old. <laughs> watch it anyway, and then recommend me things that are similar that I can watch. Thank you. This has been my TED Talk. <laughs> I was just about to say that's, that's the only natural ending. So, Norseman. Wah, wah. So hear me out. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Got us hooked. Reel us in. Terminator 2. Judgment Day. <laughs> the director's cut. Mm. Commentary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm on board now. Wait. Okay. I'm on board. Elaborate. So you took me on a roller coaster. Everyone's seen this movie. One of the best movies of all time. Ten years ago, a machine from the future was sent to kill Sarah Connor. It failed. I'll be back. But this time, there are two. One programmed to destroy, the other to protect. Hasta la vista, baby. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2. Judgment Day. Rated R. Starts Wednesday, July 3rd at a theater near you. So a lot of people don't watch. They pop the movie in on the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, and that's it. That's the most that they'll get out of it. Some fans might watch some of like the deleted scenes and shit, and that's it. The director's cut, specifically this one, because at least that's the one that I have, and that's the word where, one where this version of the commentary exists. James Cameron sits down with his co-writer, and they break down all the scenes. And it's not just... um you know, like, oh, this is this shot where, like, you know, Arnie comes down the hallway with a box of roses and it's a shotgun in there. Like, it's a lot more than that. They go behind the scenes to the point where they include, like, working cuts of specific shots. And they'll show, like, you know, for when they're showing the apocalypse in the future. No, not the apocalypse, but, like, the Judgment war Day. in the future. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you see, like, the, the, the foot of the T-800 crushing the skull and then it pans up and then the whole scene will freeze and then James Cameron like writes on the screen and you can see that like this is the map painting in the background and then this is actually a maquette that they created and then behind that is the only real practical thing that's in front of the camera then all the rest of it was just superimposed together or um later on he goes into detail with like Photoshop was created for this movie and because of the revolutionary special effects work they did with the Abyss, T-800 
T2 was really what confirmed special effects with computer graphics in like history. And like, that's basically what told Spielberg and every other major director, like, hey, computers can be used to do special effects. It's cheaper, it's easier, and it, look at the amazing quality that we can do. So showing off like the, the T-1000 with all the liquid metal effects, because you compare him in certain scenes with what happened in the abyss, you can see how one was created after the other. And just being able to see all of that shit, like, I think is fucking fascinating. And especially if you're really into movies and you want to get a better idea as to, like, how all of it's done, this one is able to show you not just, li like, listening is always great, but being able to see firsthand, like, this is where the maquette shot is. Or, the, you know, or not the maquette, I'm sorry, the matte painting in the background. You can actually see it on its own. And in the way that they superimpose it into the background, like seeing that actually done for you while you're watching the movie and piecing it together really makes such a huge difference in that I think people should at least check out something like that if they want to get more into like the behind the scenes on how it's made. Because watching quick clips on YouTube with like people being interviewed and shit is one thing, but seeing the actual thing itself, like when um, the Wolverine movie came out, I think the first one it leaked but it wasn't just a leak it was the working cut leak and you got to see a lot of the special effects being they weren't even done yet like one scene the guy throws his guns up in the air and he stylishly reloads it as it lands perfectly back into his hands you saw what the shot actually looked like when they shot it <laughs> and that is fucking cool like you don't get to see that type of stuff so being able to see how they're able to turn reality into a movie and actually seeing that middle step for the first time ever is such an eye-opener that it's i think it's fucking cool as hell i would agree with you it makes you appreciate these types of movies even more knowing exactly what goes on behind the scenes and that's why i picked this one as a hidden gem that like everyone's seen terminator and now you get to see an intimate way as to how it was really made and i really appreciate that i definitely as of late, don't watch enough like behind the scenes stuff, and that's always fascinating to me. I think the last thing I really dove into was like the appendices on the uh, Lord yep. of the Rings trilogy, which that was are a really all good great. One too. Yeah, but um, lots of people know about that. But I'm definitely going to take you up on that and check out. I wonder. I assume that's something I'd have to get the disc for. I wonder, right? I might be able to uh, help you with that. I have to double check too because I don't know which one I have, and I know very cool, especially with a, a movie like Terminator, they've remade it like uh, there's like 15 different versions of it. Yeah. So I don't know if it's yep. going to be on this disc versus another. Not literally remade, but I mean like with every iteration <laughs> of a new media no, yeah, platform, it's going to have different commentary. And even like with Star Wars, there's like I have like three different ones of the same movie, and it's got different commentaries per disc or per like format that you're watching it on so it definitely matters so i'm not sure i'll have to double check and find out because i know this one has all that included stuff with the editing done to it so i just don't know which one i have that has it and like the commentary i especially haven't listened to many of those but i'd rather listen to james cameron dish out cool details about the movie than like a youtuber like cutting all this stuff and just talking about it like yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So you're saying that fan projects aren't important to you, Dean? <laughs> no. You you know where you are? I mean, I am saying that. Okay. <laughs> I hate fans and so, projects. <laughs> so as far as the I'm the tired of itself. these fans, their projects. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
so as far as the movie itself, then it gives the the behind the scenes look dirt. So is it as segments in between actually doing the movie and they like cut away to do other stuff or it's literally it's all of those shots incorporated into the director's cut as he's running through all of it. He's describing it as the movie plays and you have the option of going to a separate scene to show it because there's no way that you can play all of that while he's talking while the movie is going at the same time because certain things it's just for him to elaborate on a specific one shot it's already moved past it and by the time he's 10 seconds into explaining it we're practically on a different scene at that point so it does kind of give that stop rewind feature so you're able to oh like this is really cool let me look further into it like the shot with um in the in the asylum and the t-1000 is the liquid uh form but he's gonna assume the form of the the night cop who's getting the coffee like he goes into it on that scene and describing it more also when he tries to walk through the door and he's able to just completely melt through the bars but then like the gun can't come through like they stop it at that point and they show like a separate segment doing like the the dailies and that kind of stuff and um some of the special effects work as it was being done and showing it off cool stuff yeah i was gonna say it it sounds interesting i never would have expected a lot of commentaries are boring i won't lie i mean sometimes it is cool like if you're a big fan of a movie you know you watch the actor commentary or the director one and there's not a lot that they can usually talk about or you'll get some insightful stuff about what goes on during the shoot but not a lot of them were was as insightful as this i think the only other commentary that i loved as much as this one was the one for the fifth element what was that it was bad. It, it had nothing, no fire, no energy, no nothing. You know I have a shoulder on you, you know? <laughs> because that one has its own like pop-up trivia track, like the VH1 mm. pop-up video stuff. Pop-up video. Pop, pop, pop! Mm-hmm. I miss those as kind of like the the extras for the commentaries. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that it had that, it was it was really cool. But this one, because it was James Cameron, it was a little bit more groundbreaking because of just the specific movie they were talking about. This is what birthed Jurassic Park and also all the other big special effects spectacles afterward. Because at this point, all they can do is like, you know, blending backgrounds together or like little minor stuff they were doing at that point in time. But nothing as major as your primary main front and center character being such a heavily influenced with CGI. And this way, Spielberg didn't have to actually breed dinosaurs. <laughs> Which he was looking into. <laughs> James Cameron may have saved Amber, the Earth. Amber production spiked in 1992. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I support that. That's a cool choice I never would have expected. That's all I got. I don't have a Hidden Gems episode, too. <laughs> So it was the James Cameron director's commentary for the director's cut of Terminator 2. Segway music. Uh, so uh, so my number two is a comic book series that started in uh, April of 2012, ended in April of 2015. It's still, I guess, technically not ended it's just kind of to be continued so it was about four years for a total of eight issues in very venture brothers style fashion called danger club from image comics so the 
the writer was uh, Landry Walker, the artist Eric Jones. So it was kind of a random purchase during the peak of my brother and my comic obsession uh, that got reignited during, I think, 2009 with Green Lantern, Blackest Night. So we used to hit up a couple of our favorite comic shops during this time around the Connecticut area every week and pick up anything uh, well, we'd pick up our pull lists and then we'd pick up anything else that just kind of looked cool that we didn't hear about and just got released. So the title and cover instantly had me interested. Um, and plus, Image Comics, it's something that I always kind of trust. They usually give me good quality. They're all creator-owned books. So it's not, if you have a character or something like that, it's not like Marvel where, oh, I'm working for Marvel. I wrote a character. Well, Marvel owns that character. Once you're done, they'll take that character and have somebody else work with it. Everything for Image, it's creator-owned, so you make a character, it's your character. You can pick up your toys, go away, and do whatever you want with it. So Image has a lot of cool stuff out there, and you get to see a lot of stories and ideas that I wouldn't expect popping up in like the big two, like DC and Marvel. So Danger Club kind of had me at the time. The story itself is around this, well, initially around this galactic threat that all of the Earth's superheroes head out to defeat and then never return. So on Earth, it's all of their sidekicks that are now having to fend for themselves on Earth. And it leads to some deciding to take over, them kind of forming factions, splintering into resistance groups as they try to figure out what exactly happened, how they can kind of move forward from here, how they can kind of hopefully save the Earth, despite the fact that it's just all in shambles and they have no mentors anymore. But for eight issues, I mean, the you can pick up the trades now. Um, I know usually I sing the praises of Comixology. It's not on Comixology for some reason. I checked recently. Um, but luckily, like, I have the, the issues and I have the trade paperbacks. But you can pick it up for, like, a song online. It's, like, $9.99. And the... Each? A $9.99 per book. So oh. it's two trade paperbacks, four issues each. I'm but, looking at an eBay listing for number one and number two for seven ninety five free shipping. Near mint. It's like a nine point five. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're a CGC, so <laughs> the, the whole thing. I mean, it's not a lot of issues. It's a quick read. I feel like the story that they go through and kind of everything that they touch on in that those couple issues there, you end up kind of liking the characters you become interested in what they're doing you kind of hope that they get through with what they're doing even though that it's a, such a short time frame compared to some other things um, I know just the first book alone that's like four issues long feels like a complete whole story despite ending on kind of a that a cliffhanger there so for anybody out there that kind of likes superhero books that likes comic books that just wants to have a good story that they want to see some well at the time it was kind of a turning some of those superhero concepts on its head and kind of tweaking with a little bit so it was and since then that's been kind of pulled into a lot of other things so it might not seem as original now but i know at the time it was certainly something that was fun and caught my eye as being different from everything else that i was reading at the time i want to chime in there's an airplane going i don't know if you can i cannot hear that airplane from here it might pick up like on a movie set, like hold for airplane, <laughs> and the sound guy's like, "Okay, clear." Um, uh, negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is. <laughs> 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 oh, is that that? Is that that a uh, flight simulator? The the 
traffic controller video? No, that's from Top Gun. No, no, ma'am, this is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose, but it's time to buzz the tower. Oh, it's from Top Gun. God damn it. You might have, there's a sequel. Shows how I hate movies. That damn it, that's my number one hidden gem, Top Gun. Um, that concept of the of this comic you brought up sounds. I'm surprised I haven't seen something like that, like in a movie or TV show format. Like it's just like you don't want to keep doing the same things over and over again, and the stories that you show people. Um, so having sidekicks, having to fit, like that's just like an interesting concept to me. Like, oh, the the number, you know, the A team is out. Like B team, B team go left behind. Step in. <laughs> Yeah, I it mean, becomes the A team. Plus the story and everything like that. I feel like it's something that if it got picked up by like HBO Max or Netflix, the story's done. It's contained as far as like meeting a, a logical conclusion point. So it's something that you can easily do like I don't know an eight to ten episode miniseries, and then just done. Call it. You're finished. Which I know a lot of things are picking up now of pulling in some of those comics things. I know recently. Uh, the past couple of years, we got the boys. Fucking diabolical. More very recently on Amazon, we finally got the animated series for it. From Robert Kirkman, that's pretty solid. Upcoming, I think on Netflix, they're doing. Uh, one is, I think it's Mark Miller who did Jupiter's Legacy. I forget if it was, but yeah, we have Jupiter's Legacy coming up, which is another superhero take of kind of the that's more of an old generation versus new generation superhero type thing but they're pulling all of these different stories they're pulling all of these comic properties that aren't necessarily like a batman a superman they're all of those more non-marvel dc type things from there so i think this might be a great opportunity to grab something like danger club and give us that if nothing else just to get people to go check out the original story and read some good comics I'm always encouraging more comic reading. I'm I'm starting to starting to enter the world. We'll see how deep into the rabbit hole I go. Maybe I'll make this one of my little comic adventures. If you decide you want to read it, I will personally send you two trade paperbacks. You read the whole series in a sitting. I will immediately send them to CGC. <laughs> <laughs> Six months will be like, where are those books? I'm like, um, haven't gotten a pack yet. <laughs> um yeah i might take you up on that so definitely uh out there anybody interested check out danger club and uh if you want to chat comics hit me up i'm always down to chat comics which brings us surprisingly to our number ones already i feel like time is just slipping by yeah it's a nice little mid-size episode we got going here so dean number one it was hard to i would say i didn't really rank these maybe i did kind of but i mean i feel like the episode is more so just a here's things we want more people to be aware of anyway yeah so so my last one is a film uh it is 2018's thunder road hi there are you jimmy arno i am hi i represent a local law firm i'm here to serve you those papers from a law firm? Am I getting sued? What am I getting sued for? Not my concern. You won't be able to see her. She's just going to be living with me. Hey, sweetie. 
I'll just keep going. Okay. I'm sorry, honey. Do we have to go that fast? That wasn't fast. Look, man, I'm sorry we couldn't make it. I'm actually kind of glad you didn't. Oh, yeah? My mother was an extremely charitable woman. She loved Bruce Springsteen. She used to sing Thunder Road to me when I was going to sleep. Everything go okay? Everything went normal. It starts out and there's a harmonica. Okay. Applause, fanfare. Was that the, um, um I want to, uh, what's his name, Jim Cummings? That's exactly right. So this is, I, I, I would qualify this as a hidden gem. It was very ultra low budget, $200,000 budget film based on, um, a short film by the director, actually the writer, director, star, co-editor, and film composer, <laughs> Jim Cummings. Um, Just a few dozen things. <laughs> it's really an auteur of this movie. Um, yeah, it's from 2018. It was based on the short film of the same name, Thunder Road, which I didn't realize existed or that this was based on a short film until I started looking into this for the episode. I didn't find time to seek it out or check it out, but I assume it's very similar in tone. From what I understand it is, it's all one take. And they use, in the movie, they use like kind of long takes at key moments, you know, sprinkled out. It's not a whole, the whole movie's not one take, which would be very hard to do, but has been done. But this, uh, it's it's a dramedy. I think it's like a pretty, pretty true to the, what you would think of as dramedy. Probably more focused on the drama and the, the serious issues that are going on. It's about a police officer going through the recent loss of his mother and impending a child custody battle with uh, his ex-wife like his unfaithful ex-wife um it's got a it's got like a serious backdrop and if you watch the trailer right now it really plays up like the i guess the drama of the story but there are some really comedic elements to it kind of in the vein of i would say like ricky gervais style humor like extras and like Michael Scott on the office, like that, like these people just doing, they're really embarrassing themselves. <laughs> and you kind of, it's kind of like cringy, like it's like uncomfortable kind of humor. Like if you can, if you enjoy that kind of thing, or if you don't mind that kind of thing, I really like that kind of humor where these people are just like, you, you want to look away just at how like embarrassing they're being. But I guess you can just really tell in this movie, just like that he, it's a cliche. It's like he was born to play this role, but it's, it's an indie movie, but he was the writer, director. Like, you can see he knew what his strengths were as an actor. And I don't know. It's just fascinating. Like, I don't know how much you guys are into character movies, but it's very just, like, watching this character try to deal with his shit. Like, develop his relationship with his daughter and the, and the death of his mom. And, like, his mother his mother was, like, a, a career, like, dancer and owned a dance studio. And he's, like, trying to keep it going. So it's not, there's not, it's not very plot driven. It's just like kind of watch, get watching him go through this kind of slice of daughter life. and ex-wife. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's just so, it's just so well done. Just well, very well written and directed. Like the cinematography is like, you know, it's fine. It's not like a super well shot movie. It's just competently shot. It doesn't draw attention to itself, but it's really just a, I say an acting like powerhouse kind of movie. Like he's very good in this role that that he's written so it just like really stuck with me like i had nobody to talk with it about when i saw it i was like you guys need to watch this movie it's been on my my letterboxed watch list for a while and i've been meeting to check it out just because i heard about jim cummings from the wolf of snow hollow his other movie i was gonna bring that up yeah which is another one have you seen that i haven't seen it yet okay my watch list is slowly growing 
more and more. <laughs> I mean, with all the shit that comes out every second of every day, it's like... Yeah. I have not heard of... You know, I like. I feel that the same way with um, music as it's kind of becoming with movies. Because I fell off with music when it seemed like there was a brand new band that was like you must listen to every other day. And then it's right. like with movies, it's getting to that point too where like, I haven't heard of any of the movies y'all have talked about in the last like three minutes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. So, The Wolf of Snow Hollow was is the follow up to this movie Jim Cummings wrote and directed and starred in Wolf Hollow. I think it was Robert Forster's last I, movie. Yeah, I was just gonna say that Robert Forster. I was like, I looked it up. I think he had he was on Better Call Saul and appeared in some other anthology movie. But like, this was like his last feature singular role. But I wanted to bring that movie up just because. Oh, I didn't know he. I was wondering what his follow-up was, and it's this Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, comedic horror movie. This is scary. It's new. I never saw a body like that. There's going to be a lot of late nights and overtime because of the brutal murder that happened in town, and I didn't want to set up expectations that I can't keep. Our expectations of you are very low. Spans of the bites are gigantic, same as the distance of the paw prints. It's a wolf. Or maybe it's a werewolf. No, let me just make this perfectly clear. There is no such thing as werewolves. Our killer is a guy, and I'm gonna find him, and I'm gonna kill and we're gonna bring him to justice. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. I won't ask you to pray with me because of the goddamn lawyers. Did you watch the trailer, Tim? Because I feel nope. like... I, I don't watch watching... trailers anymore. Okay. I feel like in the past several years, I just stopped trailers, other than I did watch the Mortal Kombat trailer, but only one. <laughs> um... I stopped watching trailers just because I feel like so many things are revealed. Yes. That it's it takes some of the fun out. So I've been trying to go into movies more blind. Like what I've been doing for the past couple of years is like I pay for the Shutter Network. And it's literally every single movie they add. It's at this point, I've like caught up to everything they have on the network. So every time I log in and I see like, hey, we've added five new movies. I don't watch any trailers and I just watch all five of the new movies they've added and i feel like i've been enjoying films more the past couple years than i used to uh, or well not that i used to i've been enjoying them more than i have the like eight years prior when trailers started kind of getting to like the seven minute trailer where they have the 30 second trailer before the trailer starts <laughs> It's a Which, it's a marketing thing nowadays. Once I discovered that, I'm more picky on oh, watching yeah. trailers because trailers are not meant for those that want to watch the movie. It's actually meant for those that have no interest and don't want to see it. So like Mortal Kombat, for instance, if you were to watch every trailer leading up to the movie, you want to see this, but it's going to spoil everything because as the Mortal Kombat fan, you want to see this. You want to, you know, digest all this new content, but it's going to tell you stuff that you're not going to want to know about. Like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Shang Tsu is Liu Kang's father. Oh, no. Like, why would you reveal that in the movie? I, it's, <laughs> is I that have, true? I, I've, Screw you, Nick. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spoiler spoiler warning for those. Sub-Zero is Scorpion. Right? <laughs> but it's going to reveal shit like that. Because I think the last um, movie that it did that to me with was the Minion movie. They played the trailer nonstop everywhere, and it got to the point where, like, you had to watch the stupid thing. And once you watch the most <laughs> recent final trailer to like the actual movie, it's like it didn't it didn't hide anything. 
It I thought you were going to tell us you were angry that they spoiled minions for you. <laughs> it didn't spoil much, but yeah, basically. Like that's when I'm like, all right, there that's has to be point. a gimmick to point. this. And then I found out that that's, that's literally what it is, is that if you want to see a movie, don't watch any of the stupid trailers for it. Because that's... Yeah, as much as we don't like it, I know market research, research shows research that people want to know about a movie before they go see it the the public at large not normal uh high iq uh people like ourselves <laughs> the stupid general public wants to know everything about a movie as much as they can before they go in they don't, they don't care about spoilers so it kind of ruins it for the rest of us the last time i was really burned and i went into a long movie trailer drought was the dark knight i remember the trailer like watching the movie and there's the part where you know spoiler alert fine you've seen if you're listening to this you've seen the dark knight um where commissioner gordon presumably dies and i saw that happen and i'm like wait in the trailer there's an explosion shot and he's in it at night and this is during the day this definitely hasn't happened yet he's not dead yeah i'm just being really I'd, angry I'd that, that like i was like oh shit like he's not dead like they just like spoil the plot point you did know, he shout that in later the theater on. <laughs> he's not Mendoza um, I do that too I piece together movies by this, the trailer scenes that were released so like oh these guys are in peril well the scene from the trailer hasn't played yet so they're probably going to be okay yeah that like, guy's well, still this, alive all the, all the trailer or the scenes from the trailer have been played so it must mean the movie's almost over <laughs> right it's you can tell watching movies nowadays like oh this is definitely from the third act like this is one of the last scenes of the movie they're showing us right now yeah yeah i guess um except for mortal Kombat, if i know i want to see a movie like tim yeah i will try really and not know anything going in because I, I do like i do like that feeling not knowing where a movie's going especially if it throws you a curveball yeah like in its tone and plot i want a trailer that literally is the last part of the movie where it's like it's a 30 second trailer and it's the last 15 seconds of the movie and then the first 15 seconds of the credits <laughs> just play that at the beginning Wait. of a before something else when you get to coming attractions um but yeah even confuse the hell out of me. even further than like not watching trailers on most stuff i don't read a description anymore yeah and it's been like movie roulette where i'll just go on to my like list of what's on there and i'll just be like yep and play and i just start watching it and then just try to figure out like what is this about right sometimes you get it's good exciting. stuff sometimes you don't right you can always and at least at home that you have the power to like i'm not i'm done watching this you know just move on to the next yeah which i um, feel like hasn't happened often but if you're curious check my letterbox and sort it by half star ratings that's everything i shut off <laughs> Probably includes the Lord of the Rings, unfortunately. It is. Yeah, it's all the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, <laughs> to bring it back to Thunder Road, the reason I brought up trailers oh. <laughs> yeah. to begin with. Yeah. What were we talking about? Thunder Road. Um, the trailer for Thunder Road, again, like I think it's just a piece of music and it's just all very visual and it looks very dramatic. Um, but if you watch The uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, his follow-up, he's again the central character, Jim Cummings, in that movie. And it really, he. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I've only seen. Or I've only seen one movie, and he's only made two that I'm aware of. I don't. I wouldn't say he has a shtick, maybe, but 
knowing Thunder Road and seeing the trailer for Snow Hollow, it's very similar, like in the tone of the comedy. So if you watch Snow Hollow trailer, uh, you'd get a very good sense of the kind of comedy that's in Thunder Road that they don't really hint at in the marketing and his kind of acting style. You know, I thought you were talking about um, the Winnie the Pooh voice actor. <laughs> like, oh, he's got, um, you know, he's really got quite the directorial kind of thing he wants to do. And then I looked up the poster. I'm like, oh, this is not the same Jim Cummings. <laughs> we like to confuse Nick as much as we can. I mean, he's, his name is Jim Cummings. It, it, it's the same name. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, the, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair, um, <laughs> But... Yeah, Thunder Road. Um, it's heavy. It gets heavy at times. Like it's got really heavy themes and and moments in the movie. But the comedy is like kind of dark and out of nowhere. And it's like, should I be laughing? <laughs> but um, it's good. It's it's got all the I laughed, I cried kind of moments. So I, I'd say give it a watch. Let me know what you think. Hmm. We'll see. I don't like movies that make you feel things. It's too much on the drama side for my tastes, unfortunately. That's fine. fine. I don't know. Like, when I watch movies, I want to lose myself in a false reality. Anything that's too based on, like, drama is just depressed the fuck out of me. Life is depressing as it is. I don't need to watch someone else's struggle, you know? (laughs) I just like the feelings that those movies can give you, like, reflecting, self-reflection and things like that. Mm, Um, I respect that. Yeah. I don't like to reflect on myself. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm going to be growing as a person. As I gaze into the abyss, the abyss <laughs> gazes back. So yeah, Thunder Road. I'll I'll get around to it. Um, I may end up watching Wolf of Snow Hollow first, but I'll definitely let you know what I think, and we can okay. we can chat. I, I'm going to check it. that out too. And for any listeners out here who have seen Thunder Road, reach out to Dean directly. <laughs> <laughs> So he's not screaming into the abyss. At Mr. Time on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nick, your last choice for hidden gems. So after saying I don't like dramas, (laughs) I like to pick this. Apparently it's a a rom-com from 1999, but I don't know. Kramer versus Kramer. (laughs) Philadelphia. Free Enterprise. (laughs) It's you. I do believe it's me. Oh, my God. Mr. Shatner, you are the greatest American actor ever. I'm a Canadian. I better get out of here before he beams in. I didn't beam in. I'm not really a jerk, you know. Doesn't you understand who you are? I'm one of the top ten imaginary friends kids have. Lawrence Olivier of the Airways. Shatner is, was, and ever shall be Kirk to me. Am I cool? No one will ever believe this. Free Enterprise. Love long and party. Rated R under 17, not committed without parent. In theaters now. Starring uh, William Shatner. The other guys, I don't really uh, have not recognized them commercially in many other things. I want to say, was it Eric McCormick from yes. Will and Grace? Yep. He is probably the most recognizable one. But it follows two guys in, um, you know, their late 20s, early 30s, and it just covers, um, you know, relationship problems, career issues, shit like that. But it's very, very geeky and it has a lot of heavy references and influence from like star trek star wars and they cover a lot of others um sci-fi properties and comic books and shit like that come on you read sandman yep and i also read astro city grendel cerebus bond preacher legion of superheroes among others do you have a problem with that and you could tell it's like 
if it was our crew, but Generation X in the mid-90s kind of thing. What'd he say? You really don't want to know. I really do want to know. He said that Han Solo was cooler than Captain Kirk. Kick the little fucker's ass. Yeah, remember Rated years R, ago, too. you had a, a copy of the movie and you showed it to us and I dig it. I like that movie. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it since then, I don't think, but it'd be one worth going back to. When it came out, it was on HBO and that's how I first saw it. And that's pretty much the only way that I ever saw it. And then eventually, you know, I had to find it through other means and it's still very rare to even find. I'm trying to find it on um, Amazon and stuff. Like, I don't think it's just a... Uh, a cheap purchase either i i don't think i i might have heard of this movie it's definitely new to me it's hidden from me and i'm trying to watch the trailer on mute as you're talking about it and i can't it's like i need to be able to hear it so i have to check it out yeah so like the two guys are just their two best friends they, they they're um you might actually like it kind of a little bit more dean because they're they work in hollywood they're both they like mortal Kombat. Oh. <laughs> yes no. i you know what i wouldn't be surprised if it comes up <laughs> They work in Hollywood? Yeah, they work in Hollywood. One's an editor, and then the other one's like a producer kind of thing. And oh, okay. like even the very first like five minutes you would appreciate because the guy's trying to pitch a movie idea and it's just the other guy's not having it. But it has that see, weird, Phil... quirky, huh? Oh, no, sorry. I was just saying, I see Phil Lamar pops up in it too. Yep, he is in it as well. And even um, William Shatner, he plays himself, but it's more of like a caricature of himself. He's not actually playing himself. He's done with the whole Star Trek thing and he hates it, but he's trying to be a lot more <laughs> of a thespian and trying to, you know, showcase his writing and acting skills outside of just some cheesy sci-fi show that he did back in the 70s. And he wants to he's, do a one man play called um, Julius Caesar, where he would play all of the roles. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Shatner. I'd yeah. watch that. He doesn't he doesn't want to do Star Trek anymore, but he's blessed or cursed us with NFTs. I think pre- pretty sure he was the instigator behind this whole NFT minted digital art pieces kind of thing that's going on. Hmm. Yeah, I watched that. I want I I want to try to watch all these that you're recommending. I, I really as soon as I get as soon as I get my hands on this and uh, the director's cut of a uh, of a uh, Terminator and botched, I'll make like a a long week of checking these out. It's on my Plex server, if you ever accept my invite. I'll reroute the encryptions and hack into your... There we go. Okay. The password (laughs) is password. (laughs) Password is Skynet. Thank you. (laughs) Hope that's not true. Or cut it out. I mean, just for people logging into your account. (laughs) My password is redacted. (laughs) (laughs) Beep. So yeah, free enterprise. I would be interested to see it now because I remember when you showed it to me, I liked it. And I don't know if I would appreciate it even more now, seeing as I'm not like a freshman in high school. I've, I've had life experiences. Maybe I would relate more to a, a movie about struggling uh, people at the beginning of their careers. So, And if anything, too, you'll get more of the pop culture references, too. They're yeah. still on the older side, but at the same time, you have your vein closer to classic sci-fi than most others would. Yeah, like I know Star Trek itself is a blind spot for me, but kind of everything else generally falls in that wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm not even a Star Trek fan either, but 
it's enough of a reference that I understand what they're talking about, but it's never heavy handed to the point where like, unless I watched all of the original classic episodes, I'll get it. I might appreciate it more if I did, but as a layman watching it, it's not bad because I am definitely for the wars, not for the trick. But this one was a nice balance in between. Lovely. So that is Free Enterprise. Tim, wrap it up. Brings us to uh, my first pick for this week is going to be the original Xbox game, Phantom Dust. When did the world change like this? Since when have we been here? There's nobody here who remembers anything. Strange particles covering the Earth have stolen our memories. The Earth is a wasteland, and we roam it aimlessly, searching for our lost memories. You've mentioned that before. In what something. the hell? So it was released in Japan in 2004, released in the U.S. in 2005, and then it did later get a remaster that came out for free as part of the X for free as part of Game Pass. If you pay for Game Pass, you get it free. So it came out um, as a remaster in 2017, I think, where you can now play it on PC and Xbox One, because originally they had talked about doing a reboot to it it ended up getting some traction they released a trailer when the xbox one got released and then that kind of fizzled out so the developer is microsoft game studios and it was published by majesco entertainment so i entirely owe my love of this game to my father one night he came from from work and normally if he stopped at the store on the way home he'd see if there was anything interesting that he thought we might like so He tossed his copy of Phantom Dust and said it sounded interesting and it was only 20 bucks, which being a little shit I was at the time, I thought like, how good can a game be if it only costs $20? Oh, you little shit. (laughs) And the answer was it it was really good. Uh, So the whole thing is it's the universe is this apocalyptic wasteland on Earth where there's this swirling dust that only certain people called espers can survive in. Uh, and the whole world has this amnesia big O style and are now living underground to avoid the surface dust while sending the espers up. And the whole thing is they're doing scouting missions to find info on their past. So the game follows an unnamed protagonist and this other guy, Edgar, who are both found in capsules on the surface and kind of woken up. And then we follow along as they learn more about the underground world, how everything started, like what's going on with that. So the whole game itself, it's kind of this like action strategy card builder type thing. Uh, without truly being like cards. So the combat was interesting just because you get abilities that you can build into an arsenal, which is essentially like a deck. And then when you're on missions, there's three ability orbs that will pop up in your kind of home zone at a time. So like your part of the map. And then you can carry up to four abilities. Some are single use. There's different types. So there's attacks, defense, support, special abilities. Or there's just like these white orbs that increase your max energy. Seen as each ability will cost a certain amount. So it's kind of like where you have to play resource handling with your mana kind of deal. So there's all different like schools. There's different things set. Some schools are short range. Some are medium range. Some are long range. You have lasers. You have martial arts. All this different stuff. So you choose your partner from the underground dwellers. 
and then kind of build these different decks or and arsenals to suit whatever your strategy is. And then you explore and take on missions and kind of go through and find out more about the world while also getting further into the storyline underground. So it, it was very interesting for the time because this was kind of in the the throes of our obsession with a lot of different card games and things like that. So the idea of being able to have these different varying decks that we're using to build and then actually being able to control your character, run around, and it's not just, hey, I play this card. It's, hey, I use this ability, but I get to choose when I do it and aim it, all that fun stuff from there. So it it was a lot of unique things at the time for me that all came together and meshed well at that kind of perfect lightning strike back in 2005. Like it looks a lot more action. Like you're saying about building a deck, but that's more behind the scenes. And then once you like enter a Correct. fight, it's like live. Yeah. So essentially, like, it's, so you like you could you could run out of your cards essentially during this fight. Yeah. Or? So you have 30 abilities in your deck. You have to do a combination of like energy to be able to power them and things like that. And then three pop up at a time. So you'll pick up your first three, and then as time ticks on, it'll respawn, and another three will come up. So you can either like replace ones you have and get back to four. If you decide you don't want that, you can always just kind of keep replacing one um, just to get rid of it until you get something that's useful for you. But once you kind of grab your first four abilities, you just run around and you can use those four abilities and then just go back and grab new stuff because people can also do things like, oh, I'll use a, a punch that deletes your ability in your top slot or I'll use this that locks up this particular school from being used for 30 seconds. Um, so you kind of have to play around with some strategy there and switch out what you have. Yeah, I see that. I see how that works now that you so explain it like that. Yeah, like as you said, it's the card aspect kind of happens in the background. And then during missions, it's more action forward and ability usage. Right. That's clever. Yeah, it's something that Has that, that system I've... ever been copied or like used in other games? No, yeah, I was about to say, like I personally haven't run into it uh, anywhere else so that kind of concept from there so i mean certainly if anybody knows of anything i'd be that play style and i love that setup so i would definitely want to go back to that but something for me that i i've never really seen again so that's why phantom dust always stuck out in my mind which i know it got the remaster i know there was talk about the reboot but it still somehow always was on the cusp of being mainstream it was always still considered a cult hit and i still don't hear a lot of people talking about it um at least in any of my discussion circles so definitely worth playing i'm I'm watching 30 minutes of phantom dust pc 4k gameplay (laughs) 4k (laughs) the remaster looks nice sometimes they handle remasters pretty well I'm glad I always liked it, it looks when like it's like a just a pure graphic overhaul and they keep the original content there. I always appreciate it because sometimes when it's not broken, don't fix it. And it just kind of fucks with it instead. Yeah, because the the remaster, as far as what I've been able to tell so far, because I started playing through it again, it's just graphical overhaul. It just look I mean, it's not like completely brand new. Everything looks like super modern, but it just looks a lot cleaner and it's touched up. Yeah, it looks more like xbox 360 as opposed to xbox or something yeah so yeah definitely check it out it's worthwhile cool. um if you have game pass it's free so no reason not to give it a quick play 
the storyline's fun. Uh, I don't want to give away anything for anybody that's never played it before. So check it out and let us know what you think. So that was Phantom Dust. We must keep going to get back what is ours. Phantom Dust. What an eclectic group of recommendations we've come up with. I tried. I wanted to do something a little like out there that was not just it's going to be all games only, or all only took all 5 movies. or 6 episodes but Nick tried now. Yeah, He's trying. I'm trying. I even did research. <laughs> I did research. <laughs> also, this was just so I can slowly slip in horror movies and comic books into our mainstay. <laughs> okay. okay, quickly and all at once. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys get have... ready for hidden gems two and three yeah i was gonna week. say the the uh, normally i would say like does anybody have honorable mentions that haven't been honorably mentioned but i feel like anything that hasn't made that three list would just end up being part of its own three list if we were to do like another hidden gems episode um yeah i think this is a recurring something we could bring up again yeah on. Okay, gang, that wraps up another episode of Rule of Thirds, and we'd like to thank you for coming along for the ride and discussing our hidden gems. As always, you can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Screen Refresh, or shoot an email to screenrefresh at gmail.com to let us know what your top three would be, or if you have any topics you want to hear us discuss. We'd love to hear what all of you think more people should be checking out, so drop us a line and get the word out there, and let us know what your hidden gems are. So that's it from us. So for Nick and Dean, this is Tim. Have a great week and catch us next on Screen Refresh, the first Monday of the month. Okay, gang, so that wraps up. Fucking... <laughs> okay. I have the last word. <laughs> um Okay, gang, that wraps up another <laughs> I don't got it. I got family. <laughs> <laughs>